Hi, everybody. Thank you for welcoming us into your home. We're beginning a brand new series this morning for Advent, and we've entitled this series, Get Ready. It's a season of preparation. And today I want to talk about getting ready for a miracle. Well, Zechariah was very excited. It was a big day for him. You know that there were 20,000 priests in Jerusalem, all descendants of Aaron. And they got to serve on the day of Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. But they were divided into 24 sections, and each section was only allotted two priests' opportunities to serve in the temple for one week during the year. This meant that the vast majority of priests never had an opportunity to actually serve in the temple. So this was his big day. He got to serve in the temple. Something he'd have been waiting for for his entire life. He would get to keep the incense burning before the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. And then after he had kept the incense burning into the later sacrifice, he would get to come out between the court of Israel and the court of the priests and bless the people. And there would be a crowd of people waiting for his blessing. You would have thought that on this very big day that Zechariah was living the good life, that uh, he was just one of the lucky ones, so to speak. But there was a cloud over his life. He wasn't able to have children. Now, infertility is always a difficult thing, and, and we feel for folks when they have difficulty conceiving children. But for a priest in the first century, this was a particularly tragic circumstance. You see, the rabbis in the first century had a saying. They said seven people were excommunicated by God. One, a Jew with no wife, and two, a Jew who had a wife but no child and so on. So you can see that for a Jewish family not to have children was an incredible problem for them. They were living an imperfect life. Isn't it strange how when we look at other people's lives, they seem to be living perfect lives, and our lives always seem to be imperfect. We always seem to be in need of something, that something just is a little out of whack in our lives. Well, actually... Everybody lives an imperfect life. Everybody needs a miracle. Everybody needs God's intervention. Doesn't matter who we are. Doesn't matter how old you get. Doesn't matter what circumstances you may be living in. But in each one of our lives, there's a little cloud or perhaps a big cloud. And we're waiting on God for his influence, for his supernatural power to come into our lives and to do something. It could be a child that is sick, or it could be a family member that is wayward and perhaps uh, suffering from some addiction, or it could be an occupation or a job that just isn't going well. But everyone, every one of us has a circumstance, at least one circumstance in our lives where we're saying, oh Lord, we need a miracle. Well, let's pick up the story. Luke's gospel, chapter one, verse 11 to 17. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. So make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for this life of Zechariah. Thank you, Lord, that you did a tremendous miracle in his life so that he and his wife could conceive, have a son. And this son would become John the baptizer. So, Lord, I thank you that you are at work in our lives. And, uh, Lord, we all are in need of a miracle. We are all in need of your supernatural intervention in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you're still a miracle-working God. May we be ready. In your name we pray. Amen. So God answers prayer. This is a miracle in the life of Zechariah. You see, miracles happen when God suspends his natural laws. Uh, Miracles are in contrast to what is ordinary. This is important to understand. C.S. Lewis said that unless you realize that the sun rises in the east... It won't seem like a miracle if it rises in the West. So miracles are really contrary to the way things normally operate or the way things normally run. But both natural laws and miracles are in fact acts of God. It's not that God is absent from the ordinary or that he's absent from the natural world and he only shows up occasionally and we call that a miracle. A miracle is not when God shows up because God is always present. God is always involved in creation. He is always involved in sustaining the world. In fact, what we call gravity is the Lord. What we call um, the laws of uh, physics are really the Lord. What what we see as the natural order of things are really the Lord sustaining and upholding and keeping things together by his power. So a miracle is not when God acts, because God is always acting, but a miracle is when God suspends his normal laws, his normal ways of doing things in order to do something which is unusual, something out of the ordinary. We have to be careful not to limit God to the unexplained. For example, Years ago, it used to be thought that the birth of, the, of a baby was a miracle. The conception of a baby was a miracle because it couldn't be understood. It couldn't be explained. But with modern science, we understand how uh, DNA is transferred, how conception takes place, how fertilization takes place. It doesn't mean that God is any less involved just because we can explain it. God is involved in the ordinary in the, and the extraordinary. That's all of what he does. So we need to praise him for the usual and the unusual. I I found in my own life that that what helps me to do this is to to remember to thank the Lord for the ordinary things and not just for the extraordinary things. Uh, To thank him for the sunrise, to thank him for the stars in the sky, to thank him that uh, 
well, just that the normal operation of things, that he's behind it, upholding it, sustaining it, and making it run. I think that helps me to remember that God is always involved in our lives. And, and not just when he, well, interrupts the natural order of things, or he suspends his natural laws and to do something supernatural. Miracles usually happen for a purpose, uh, beyond personal convenience or help. Now, now Zachariah and Elizabeth were elated. They were blessed that they could have a, a, a son, a, a child. But beyond that, this is John the baptizer who's going to be born. This is the forerunner of Jesus. He has a very special role in the uh, birth narrative, in, in the story of Christ, in this salvation story, in preparing the way for Jesus. He comes in the tradition of the Old Testament prophet. We see that he's, he's kind of harsh. He's, he's kind of like the guy who's the fire and brimstone kind of prophet, you know, repent or burn kind of a response. And, and he, he made people aware, and, and he became incredibly popular in Palestine. There was, he had a great following of people. He became famous. People came from all over in order to be baptized, in order to repent, in order to turn their hearts back towards God. So John the baptizer's role in the life and ministry of Jesus was to kind of come alongside uh, bef or before Jesus and say to the people, hey, we need God. We need to get back to, to knowing him and to following his ways. And, and he kind of came on as this, this harsh prophet. And then Jesus comes on full of grace. And, and he comes with full of mercy. And he's, it's kind of like, uh, I want to say, a good cop, bad cop kind of thing, where, where John provides the role of the bad cop, and, and he's very harsh, and he comes and says, you need to repent. And then the people realize that they can't ever do enough to be right. And Jesus comes along and says, yeah, no, you're right. You cannot do enough to be right. That's why I've come. By faith in me, you can be saved. By faith in me, you can be prepared to spend eternity with the Father. In the Bible, miracles are signs that God is at work. They glorify God. They, they draw attention to God's presence, to his purpose, and to his character. Well, how then can we get ready for a miracle? Well, I, I think, first of all, we need to realize that they still happen. God is still doing miracles. I, I think, secondly, we need to pray and not give up praying. It's, it's easy to pray for a while about something and then give up and perhaps become tired of and, and wonder if God is ever going to respond. Well, we have many stories from Scripture, uh, prayer being answered after years and years and years of petition. And this is why Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, that we are to ask, we are to seek, and we are to knock. And we are to keep on doing that because God responds to our persistence. And sometimes it's just a matter of time before God intervenes and gives us that miracle that we have been praying about. I think we also need to remember that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to, unto us. Again, in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel, verse 33. To seek first the kingdom. That means to make the kingdom 
our priority, the advancement of the kingdom, God's purposes, God's ways, is to be the most important thing in our lives, more important than the miracle that we're petitioning him about, more important than our, our, even our very lives. The most important thing is the advancement of God's kingdom, God's ways, God's purposes, God's will, you know, in the, like in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think we also need to determined to honor the Lord and to fulfill His purposes no matter what, even if it may be difficult, even if we may not see the miracle that we are hoping for right now, this year, or next year, or even this decade. We have to determine that in spite of everything, we will serve the Lord. We will honor Him. We will fulfill His purposes. I think we also need to pay attention because sometimes God whispers his miracles. His miracles always don't come with a crash and a bang and a thunder. Sometimes his miracles come to us very quietly. Sometimes the miracles, I think, appear as coincidences. In fact, someone has said that uh, coincidences are God working incognito. And sometimes we need to pause and reflect before we even see the miracles of our lives. And I think that, that this is something I've discovered in my life, that, that, that it's as I uh, live a more reflective life and I spend more time pausing, thinking, praying, contemplating what God is doing, do I realize that God has been at work when man may not have seen him at work at the moment in the midst of the circumstance, but it's later as I reflect and think and pause that we see God's hand his miraculous hand even, in our lives. So we need to get ready for a miracle. During Advent, this is what we are reminded to do. We are waiting for Christmas. We are waiting for that special day. We need to understand that God remembers his people. He is, he is not someone who forgets, who is, falls short of his promises. He hears our prayers as he heard the prayer of Zechariah, and he answered him. He fulfills his promises to us, and he also works out his purposes in our lives. It's amazing that God can do both of those things. He fulfills his promises to us, which is very personal to us as individuals, but he also works out his purposes, which are usually global, which are usually far bigger than us, far grander than us, far broader than us. I think that's one of the great things about knowing the Lord and, and um, learning some of his ways is to see how he, he works individually in our lives and he also works out his grand purposes. So we need to pay attention. God still is involved in the miracle-making business. He still interacts and suspends what he does in order to do something supernatural. Wait for him, trust him, believe him. Get ready for a miracle. Let's pray. So Father, thank you that you're still doing miracles today, as you did in Zechariah's life, as you did throughout the whole New Testament story, as you have in our lives. You are still involved as a miracle-working God. Thank you, Lord, as we look back on our, on our brief history of our lives, we can, we can see time and time again how you've intervened. And you've done things for us, extraordinary things for us. 
Thank you for the healings that have taken place in our lives. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for our own children and grandchildren, which are miracles from you. Thank you for the circumstances at work where you've intervened. And, and, and maybe we haven't even noticed it until later that you have been involved. We thank you, Lord, that you're always at work. You're always desiring to bless your people and to fulfill your purposes. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your love. Help us to be faithful and help us to be ready, watching, waiting, expecting you to intervene. In your name we pray. Amen. Here's a question of the day. It's really a two-part two question. When was the last time God did a miracle in your life? Would you spend a moment thinking about that? Where do you now need his supernatural presence? You want to talk to him about that over the next minute or so as, as you may pause and listen to the music, and then I'll come back with a concluding comment. Everyone needs a miracle. There's not one of us that aren't suspended, waiting for God to intervene in our lives. Uh, none of us live perfect lives, and nobody, no matter who they are, no matter where they've come from, lives a perfect life without need of God's intervention. And you think of the gospel story, the resurrection was a, was a huge miracle, a supernatural thing. But also the incarnation is an incredible miracle. The fact that God was made flesh and came to live among us. And, and we think of also the miracles throughout the life of Jesus, signs of, of God's power over the, the forces of this, of this world or the gods of this age. And, and when we think about it, our own salvation story has miracle work woven into it. Uh, he has his ways of catching our attention. I don't know that I've ever met anybody who has told their story about how they have come to know Jesus, where there weren't miracles involved, where, where God didn't supernaturally do something to catch their attention. But you know, God is not finished yet. He's not finished in your life. He's not finished in my life. He still has more to do. He will still work more miracles in your life get ready, be prepared. God is a miracle-working God. Our doxology for this series is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. God bless you. Have a great week.